following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. She's got the news. She talks with newsmakers. She encourages us to laugh. And she cries with us. Speaking truth to power and questioning authority daily, it's the Nicole Sandler Show. All right. Oh, welcome to a Tuesday. Uh, I am Nicole Sandler, coming to you live at NicoleSandler.com, the Progressive Voices Network, on uh, YouTube. We're back on YouTube. Yay. And on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Twitch. And uh, what am I leaving out? I I think that's all of them. I thought I fixed the issue with the the volume, but uh, now that I'm now that I'm back on the air and listening, it goes in and out. I will I will try to adjust it as we're speaking. This is really annoying. Just know I I, <laughs> I really thought I fixed it yesterday, and apparently I did not. Let me see if um, I can fix it like this. If that helps at all, I don't know. We'll find out. Anyway. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is if I'm overmodulating because I know that hurts your ears. So I uh, leave it up to you guys, the chatters in the various chat rooms. I check in. There's YouTube. Hi, YouTubers. Yeah. Um, Twitter doesn't have like a, twa- a, a, a a chat function, but you can tweet at me at Nicole Sandler. There's Twitch. Hi, Twitch. Hi, Twitchers. Um, and uh, hold on. I'm just putting a hello in there. There's a few people in there now. And Facebook. Let's see the Facebookers. Hi, Facebookers. Uh, We are firing on all cylinders, and that's good. So, you know, each day I try to come up with a creative kind of name for the program, you know, for the episode. Obviously, the program is the Nicole Sandler Show because I'm so uh, creative. Um, uh, but, But for each individual episode... I try to uh, come up with some kind of clever name based on what we're going to cover in the show. And um, maybe if I do this, I'm just trying to figure out what the issue is here. All right, let's try it this way and see if that helps. Okay, so today I realize that we're talking about a lot of kind of shitty people today, like really reprehensible people. Um, uh, in fact, our interview today is about somebody who I didn't realize was as kind of shitty as he really is. But the more news that comes out about Bill Gates, the more we learn that he too is kind of a shitty person. So I was looking for, you know, a title. So I wound up calling it Gates, Gates, Gate. <laughs> and other appalling people. Um, but, you know, I looked at, at uh, thesaurus.com. I'm always looking to expand my vocabulary. And, and I thought I remembered, wasn't there a movie some years ago? I'm overmodulating. Uh, wasn't there a movie some years ago about um, uh, uh, horrible people? I want to think, I want to say it was like, um, like uh, uh, Bette Midler was in it. I can't remember. If anybody can think of that, let me know. But I'll tell you where I found the adjectives to describe the people that we're talking about today. And let me tell you who we're talking about first so you can get an idea of the kind of um, yuck I'm looking at, right? Uh, I, I mentioned Bill Gates and Matt Gates. They both made it into the title. So Gates, Gates, Gate. Um, yeah, there's Kevin McCarthy, the wannabe Speaker of the House, who was supposed to be Speaker before Paul Ryan, but a scandal of sorts 
derailed him. And most of us forgot about that. But Kevin McCarthy today came out publicly against having a January 6th commission look into what happened at the Capitol. So Kevin McCarthy goes on our our list of, uh, it was better before I tweaked it just now. Oh, God. All right. Um, so uh, Kevin McCarthy is on the list. Um, there's the district attorney of Pasquotank County, North Carolina, whose name I didn't note because really, I don't need to know his name. Um, all I know is that piece of shit said that the cop who, the cops who opened fire on, um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, I want Andrew Brown. Was it Andrew Brown or Anthony Brown? Uh, I hate when this happens. Um, uh, I've got it here. Andrew Brown Jr. I was right the first time. Andrew Brown. Um, that that they were uh, justified in their shooting and no charges would be filed. Seriously. I, I, I'm just, I'm sickened. But they're not, that's not all. There are more. There's Benjamin Netanyahu. And check this out. The Prime Minister of Israel, who uh, just moments ago, I got an alert on my phone from the Washington Post. And it says... Um, Israel says it will step up strikes on Hamas tunnels despite ceasefire calls. Really? More heinous people. Then there are the right-wingers on the Supreme Court. Uh, uh, um, Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, Amy Coney Barrett, um, uh, 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 Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, and John Roberts, who are taking on a case directly challenging Roe v. Wade. Really? 2021. Actually, it'll be 2022 when they do this. And and then there's, of course, Donald Trump. Um, and I'll, I'll explain why he's on the list today of these horrible human beings. And you know where I found the best collection of adjectives? I had to look no further than John Lennon. Now, I'd play it for you musically, but I'd probably get kicked off of YouTube again, so I don't want to do that. So we'll just say these are uptight, short-sighted, narrow-minded, hypocrites, neurotic, psychotic, pig-headed politicians, tight-lipped, condescending, mama's little chauvinists, schizophrenic, egocentric, paranoid, prima donnas. If you want to hear the song, it's uh, Give Me Some Truth by John Lennon. And he calls them all out, and they all deserve it. So we're going to get into um, uh, um, the 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 uh, Bill Gates with our guest today, who um, Tim Schwab is his name, and he has a piece in the Nation about how Bill Gates is like Mister Vaccine Apartheid. Yeah, really. And there's other stuff. I mean, the, his. Um, uh, his uh, divorce brought a lot of stuff to the forefront. And I'll say one of the creepiest things about him that I did not know before this uh, divorce came up is his relationship, or I should say was, with Jeffrey Epstein. Ew. Ew. And apparently Melinda Gates filed for divorce after Bill Gates stepped up his friendship with Epstein? I don't know. That's not what the Nation article is about. It is about Bill Gates and his role in vaccine development and, um, I, you know, profiteering, I guess. Like the guy needs more money? Seriously, uh, Bill Gates could turn over his share in um, uh, and the company's name 
is like Cal something. Hold on. I've got, I've got it here. I wasn't planning on talking about it yet. Um, it's down here on my notes. Um, uh, I don't know, Calvita or something like that. I can't find it right now. Um, uh, CureVac. Close. <laughs> or not. CureVac, which is currently wrapping up clinical trials for its own COVID-19 vaccine. And the Gates Foundation, he could give up every penny of profit from this, this, this vaccine company and not feel a pinch. He's got that much money, but no, instead he's, he's, um, well, he's holding us to that. I need, need, may need to put a filter between me and my mic. Okay. Thank you, Killer Sheep. Um, anyway, now there's a weird thing in the volume going on where it just goes up and down and up and down. And I, I thought I fixed it and apparently I didn't. You might not hear it, but I definitely hear it in the headphones. So, um, Bear with me. I'm sorry. I'm working on it. Um, you see, in addition to hosting the show and producing the show, I'm also the engineer. But every now and then I have to bring in a hired gun because it's above my pay grade at times. Yeah. Um, Gary Ballard said, I've heard she's getting $150 billion. That's uh, That's um, uh, uh, Melinda Gates is getting $150 billion, uh, I guess. Well, it must be nice. I think she and... Um, Oh, God, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, the former Mrs. Um, uh, Bezos are having a good time, or they will, together. Yeah, single divorced ladies unite. I, I'm not divorced, so I don't know. Hey, I have a, um, one, one thing I need to um, show you. If, if, you're on, if you're watching on one of the video feeds, you'll see it. If you're listening on Progressive Voices or one of the audio streams, uh, I will just tell you, I have a new grand kitten, and my daughter Allison brought her by this morning. Um, let me tell you, so, so the grand kitten, maybe if I just turn off the compression, would that help? Let's see. Let's see if that does anything. Um, now I can't even bring it up. Okay. Uh, it doesn't want to cooperate now. I'll deal with it when I can. Oh, there it is. All right, we're going to try it this way. What happens if I just, <laughs> if I turn this off? It, we'll see, my, my level dropped precipitously. Um, all right, let's see if that's any better. All right, let's see. You guys tell me. Uh, <laughs> Tasty Tens, I wish you could be my engineer too. Uh, we'll see if that's any better. You guys let me know. I know, I know the level just dropped. Um, sorry about that. Oh, maybe I can turn it up like this now. Uh, we shall see. All right. Anyway, I'll do this off the air. Sorry about that. Um, so, so my daughter, I think I told you, moved into her own apartment. And she um, went outside the other day. I guess it's been about a week now. And all of a sudden, this little tiny kitten came up to her. And um, yeah, this is it. Here's the video for, for those of you uh, watching. She's tiny. She can't be any more than six or seven weeks old. You know, Allison took her to the vet. She's been hand feeding her and all that stuff. And so, you know, um, anyway, so I have a grand kitten now. So uh, uh, my, my, uh, anyway, that's the latest thing in my life. Um, I, for some reason, I'm, 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 I'm delaying the inevitable. Let me get to some of the stuff about these reprehensible people. Um, because should I pulled it all, I may as well share it with you. There's a reason I researched all those words. And I guess we should start with Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy is the man. And, and yeah, look, I turned that off and it's still going up and down. Sorry about that, everybody. 
I'm going to have to get a, <laughs> it sounds good to you. Um, thank you, Am True Blue. Um, all right. Anyway, uh, it's my thing and I'll deal with it. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, I wish he wasn't my thing. So today, Kevin McCarthy announced his opposition to a bipartisan January 6th commission. He issued a statement this morning against the proposal and spoke out against it at the House GOP conference this morning, even though the guy who negotiated uh, for the Republicans on his behalf secured almost every concession that McCarthy said he wanted. But that didn't matter because Donald Trump is calling the shots and Donald Trump doesn't want it because Donald Trump is at fault. He's the guy who who got this thing going. He's the guy who incited the riot or the insurrection. And, um, you know, any kind of legitimate probe into what happened will have that finding. So Kevin McCarthy, despite the fact that just a few days after the uh, said insurrection, after, for whatever reason, Donald Trump was (coughs) um, acquitted, in his second impeachment trial, Kevin McCarthy gets up on the cent- the House floor and says, whoops, and says, The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action by President Trump. Accept his share of responsibility. Quell the brewing unrest and ensure President-elect Biden is able to successfully begin his term. Right. And it was after that he got so much pushback from Trump and his cronies that Kevin McCarthy actually flew down to Florida to meet with the orange man himself and kiss his ring and, you know, suck the mushroom. Um, And then he started singing a different tune. And, uh, you know, which is astounding. But then just the other day, he has the meeting at the White House, the the congressional leaders with Biden, and he comes out and um, standing before the microphones, he said this. I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election. I think that is all over with. Really? With the president today. Um, Yeah. Tell that to Trump. Tell that to the people who want to get to the bottom of this insurrection. So. I thought, let me do a little deep dive on Kevin McCarthy, because a lot of people don't remember the recent history, and it is recent history. Kevin McCarthy was supposed to be the speaker the first af- when Paul Ryan was. He was on deck. He was next in line, but he dropped out at the very last minute, and Paul Ryan had to be basically begged to step up. Do you remember this? This was like in 2015, so at the time, the Weekly Standard, that's Bill Crystal's rag, said, reading from their site, McCarthy's first run for speaker failed for a number of reasons. First, he made comments suggesting that Republicans were only investigating Benghazi to stick it to then-Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. In other words, he said the quiet part out loud. Right. Also, he, quote, struggled to win the support of conservative members, some of whom were reluctant to support him and concerns that he would not represent enough of a change from the tactics of their last speaker, John Boehner, Boner, Boehner, however you want to pronounce it. But actually, there was another reason. There was a rumored affair 
with a then sitting congresswoman named Renee Elmers. Now, Bill Crystal's magazine didn't write about it. Most of the right-wing rags didn't write about it. But New York Magazine wrote about it in a story just uh, uh, three or four years ago in which they tell what happened. And here's what they say. Republican Representative Walter Jones added more fuel to the fire when he issued a letter calling on candidates to withdraw from the race for Speaker, quote, if there are any misdeeds he has committed since joining Congress that will embarrass himself, the Republican conference, and the House of Representatives if they become public, end quote. Hmm. Jones later confirmed that his letter was partly inspired by a blog post he read about McCarthy and Elmer's. McCarthy then changed his mind about pursuing the speakership within a matter of hours. Um, after he made the case for his candidacy at an early morning meeting and then said he was dropping out by noon. A conservative activist named Stephen Bayer, known for flooding lawmakers' inboxes, had been emailing many top Republicans about the affair. And according to Huffington Post, he sent an email that morning with the subject line, Kevin, why not resign like Bob Livingston? In case you don't get that reference, then-Congressman Bob Livingston quickly withdrew his bid to be Speaker and resigned in 1998 after acknowledging an affair. So Paul Ryan comes in and takes over. Kevin McCarthy is sort of relegated to the background. And then McCarthy, I'm sorry, and then uh, uh, Paul Ryan left, leaving Kevin McCarthy. Do you remember there was a time when they were known as the Young Guns? (laughs) They were. Ryan, McCarthy, Scalise, that little gang, were the Young Guns. Well, they're not so young anymore. And as for guns, they have too many of them. So that's um, Kevin McCarthy, certainly an uptight, short-sighted, narrow-minded hypocrite and a neurotic, psychotic, pig-headed politician. Both work. All right, next on my list. Um, well, you know, Matt Gates and Joel Greenberg. All right. So Joel Greenberg, who we had not heard of, and we probably wouldn't if not for Matt Gates. Joel Greenberg is the former Seminole County, Florida tax collector. And uh, he was just in court yesterday. He pleaded guilty to six, six out of 33 federal charges he was facing, but including sex trafficking, trafficking of a minor. This is part of a plea deal he made with prosecutors. Now, he didn't name Matt Gates in the agreement, but the pledge of cooperation could, <laughs> could, will deepen Matt Gates's legal woes. Federal prosecutors are now investigating whether the two men paid underage girls and prostitutes for sex. Gates, who famously said, I never paid for it, right, um, apparently did. Uh, Greenberg admitted under his plea deal that he paid at least one underage girl to have sex with him and other men. So Matt Gates is, you know, he's a piece of shit. And, and I got to tell you, What's what's really astounding, well, not surprising, just astounding and shocking, but not surprising, is that the Republican Party doesn't seem to care. They've not said one word about him. And again, I have to ask you, why is Al Franken not in the Senate anymore? What he did or is alleged to have done, posing for a picture with his hands, pretending to be over the breasts of a sleeping woman? was nothing. And you look at what Matt Gates did. He deserves to be in jail and hopefully he will be. Speaking of Matt Gates, 
Um, <laughs> I, I got a couple of little tunes for you because I can, I, you know, I'm, I'm feeling my blood pressure rising. So right around this time, um, it might be a good time to, um, uh, to, to maybe hear a tune from our friend, um, Bruce W. Nelson. In this, in this place, it's not Mangy Fetlocks. It's Bruce W. Nelson, the original. And um, he has a song for, uh, kind of, a song for Matt Gates. He's asking the question, what kind of girl could love Matt Gates? Everybody sing. What kind of a girl could love Matt Gates? The kind of a guy a smart woman hates. A guy who is obnoxious and so smarmy. His presence should set off every alarm. He's the kind of a jerk mm-hmm. one should avoid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or push off a cliff into a void. <laughs> he wants to be the president, should be a prison resident. What kind of a stupid girl could love Matt Gates? Thank you. Uh, Bruce W. Nelson, uh, it, it, using his own persona for that one, and we appreciate it. Okay, just a little sort of palate cleanser there. All right, in terms of other heinous people, before we get to our guest, we still have a little more time. So let's see, who else can I tell you about? Um, oh, Benjamin Netanyahu, well, I already told you. He's he's saying, we're going to keep bombing. I don't care what those stinking Americans say. Well, you know what? Um, Benjamin Netanyahu... Just because I can. So um, there's that. You know what? This is really bad. I'm sorry. I'm going to actually turn the compressor back on because you may not hear it, but my levels are just, God, they're worse than before. They're all over the place. Uh, I will be spending the wee hours of the um, uh, not on air hours trying to fix this. All right. Um, so there's Netanyahu. Then there was the right wingers on the Supreme Court. Oh boy, we're going to get to them, and and we've got plenty of time to get to them too because um, th- thankfully they're not going to hear this case on uh, you know uh, uh, outlawing abortion after 15 weeks before the fetus is even viable. Um, not until next term. So, but they'll still do pretty bad things. But there's that. And then, of course, on my list, you can't have a list of of heinous people, of schizophrenic, egocentric, paranoid prima donnas without Donald Trump. And I try not to talk much about him these days, and I frankly don't. I hope you hope you recognize that. I stay away from him. But the the thing that I um, this today is in terms of what he didn't do, because you know, yesterday was tax day. Right, it, it's usually April fifteenth. This year it was pushed back a month because of COVID. Hello. So yesterday, Monday, May seventeenth, was the day that our income taxes were due. And today, go figure. The White House released the um, uh, president and vice president's tax returns. Go figure. Something that hasn't happened in the last four years. Right. So. 
Um, uh, let's see. Um, President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden showed their tax returns showed their income dropped while Biden campaigned for the presidency. They reported earning $607,336 last year, and they paid $157,414 in federal income taxes. That means they paid an income tax rate of 25.9%, which, you know, good for them for doing their civic duty. I think they need a better accountant because that's a lot. Uh, the average rate for all Americans is 14.6%. But again, it's 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 pulled down because the uber wealthy make a whole lot more money than you and I do. So they also released the returns of Kamala Harris and second gentleman Doug Emhoff. Now, um, they made more money because Doug Emhoff was a partner in a law firm. So, uh, yeah, so that happened. You know what? Oh, God, one of our... Uh, one of you guys in the chat room took that Lily Allen song, the fuck you song that I just played for, uh, um, who did I play for? The Supreme Court, whoever I played for, um, and uh, and did a, a, a custom mix for it. And I, I forgot to pull it. You're going to have to wait till tomorrow for it. But you, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> so um, just to entice you to come back tomorrow. So, so that happened. Um, yeah. And, and Donald Trump will not, still won't release his tax returns under the bogus excuse, I'm being audited. First of all, I don't know of any audit that takes over four years, number one. Number two, that's not an excuse to not showing your tax returns. There's never been a rule that says if you're under audit, you can't release your tax returns. It is just 100%. Bullshit. But everything Donald Trump says is bullshit. You know, that's why he's Trump. Bullshit. Um, yeah, he's full of bullshit. Uh, um, so let's see. Oh, but uh, he, there, there's a second part to this story. So Donald Trump, who loudly proclaimed that he wasn't going to take a presidential salary because, you know, he's a billionaire, although he's never proved it, although he had many opportunities to. Um, <laughs> he's now taken tens of thousands of dollars in federal pension payments since being removed forcibly from the White House. Um, According to, uh, where did this come from? Vox, uh, the Daily Beast, sorry. Trump has taken $65,600 in presidential pension payments since leaving office in January. During his single term, he made such a big deal about donating his salary to federal agencies, but apparently he's had a change of heart about taking taxpayers' money, despite his alleged personal wealth. Amazing. Um, He's apparently, uh, reporters have asked his office about what he's done with this money, and they have not commented. He's just a, oh, hold on. Let me go up to my descriptive statements again. He's an um, uptight, short-sighted, narrow-minded, hypocrite, and neurotic, psychotic, pig-headed politician, and a tight-lipped, condescending, mama's little chauvinist, schizophrenic, egocentric, paranoid prima donna. Thank you. Uh, John Lennon, it lets me say all those things without calling him a fucking asshole. Oops. There we go. All right. In a few minutes, we are going to um, talk with uh, our guest today. Uh, His name is Tim Schwab. And he's just he's done a a ton of research on Bill Gates. So I'll tell you what. um, You know what? 
since we're going to talk about Bill Gates and perhaps some price gouging or, or not being quite the philanthropist when it comes to vaccines, uh, you know what? I don't have time. Oh, I do have time for this. Okay. I'm going to share with you a video that's making the rounds on Twitter today. This is a good thing. This is someone we're saluting. We're all Katie Porter fans here. Katie Porter, a congresswoman from Southern California, from Orange County. She, she won what was a red seat. Um, and turned it progressive. Well, she did a, um, uh, uh, she was, I guess, questioning, uh, I don't even know what the hearing was, but it was dealing with big pharma representatives on the subject of uh, the cost of pharmaceuticals, the cost of prescription drugs. And I just have to share this video with you because Katie Porter absolutely rocks. Mr. Gonzalez, how much did you spend, did Abby spend on litigation and settlements from 2013 to 2018? Uh, I, I don't have that number offhand. We'll be happy to give it to you. Okay, $1.6 billion, <laughs> $2.45 billion on R&D, $1.6 billion in litigation and settlements. What about marketing and advertising? How much does Abby spend on that? Uh, well, marketing and advertising, we spend about $4 billion a year. Uh-oh. Yep, $4.71 billion. How about executive compensation, 2013 to 2018? Ooh, how about 2013 to 2018, it's probably on average about $60 million a year. <laughs> Try 334 oh! on for size. Oh, Now, Big how difference. much did Avi spend on stock buybacks and shareholders, stock, stock buybacks and dividends to enrich your shareholders from 2013 to 2018? Well, stock buybacks, if you actually look at just pure stock buybacks, it would be about $13 billion. Stock buybacks uh, and dividends is the question, sir. <laughs> She's so good. Uh, dividends, and I have to come back with that, a number for that over that period of time. Uh-oh. $50 billion. Oh, $50 billion. So, Mr. Gonzalez, you're spending all this money to make sure you make money uh-huh. rather than spending money to invest in, develop drugs, and help patients with affordable life-saving drugs. You lie to patients when you charge them twice as much for an unimproved drug, and then you lie to policymakers when you tell us that R&D justifies those price increases. The big pharma fairy tale is one of groundbreaking R&D that justifies astronomical prices. But the farmer reality is that you spend most of your company's money making money for yourself and your shareholders. And the fact that you're not honest about this with patients and with policymakers, that you're feeding us lies, that we must pay astronomical prices to get innovative treatments is false. The American people, the patients, deserve so much better. Oh. I yield back. (laughs) Boom. 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 See, that's the kind of flamethrowing I like. Katie Porter, she gets a salute today. I couldn't be all just all negative today, but um, we're going to get back to the negativity. All right, let's get our guest on the line, shall we? So Tim Schwab, is um, uh, he's this, this piece in the nation. Um, and let me, uh, uh, you know what, he's, he's going to be on the phone. So let me dial him now. God, I, I so rarely call people these days, but let's let's do this. We're gonna get. Uh, oh shit! I, I, I still I'm still calling Israel from yesterday. Hold on, I gotta make it United States. Um, da da da. I should have um, uh, I should have dialing music for this. Oh damn! Now I gotta put the number in again. Uh uh uh. Da da da. Sorry. This is this is me playing producer. 
Okay, so uh, we are calling Tim Schwab. He is a journalist. He has been... Um, after the tone, uh-oh. and Google Voice will try to connect you. Oh, Google Voice. Hi, it's Nicole Sandler calling for Tim Schwab. So, <laughs> it's that Google Voice thing. I forgot about that. I have one of those numbers. I've ne- just never used it. It's live radio. This is why I usually do the Zoom thing these days. It's easier. Hi, Nicole. I'm so sorry. Oh, How that's okay. Hey, Tim, I'm good. How are you? Okay. Good. Okay, so we're we're live on the air. Um, uh, this, Great. <laughs> so welcome to the show. I, I've been doing a thing. I've been calling out some of the most heinous people working in. Well, Matt, you know, Bill Gates doesn't really fit because he's not in government. But boy, uh, as the the um, the headline on the story at the Nation uh, is titled, it says, "Is the shine starting to come off Bill Gates' halo?" So. You know, he's one of those people who sort of transcends titles. He's Bill Gates. He's one of the wealthiest men in the world, and he puts himself out there as this great philanthropist. In fact, I remember a few years ago, he and his wife, Melinda, said they were going to give away the majority of their fortune. Now, you have been investigating Bill Gates as part of a big um, journalistic investigation. Tell us how encompassing your, your work on Bill Gates has been. Yeah, and you know, recently, in the recent weeks, it's just been a fire hose of news yeah. that even I can't keep up with. Um, and it's been really interesting to, to see the media narrative really changing around Bill Gates, where, um, you know, now uh, journalists are eager to put a critical lens on Bill Gates, or at least some aspects uh, of Bill Gates' life. Um, so to your question about, you know, Bill Gates um, donating, giving away all of their money, yeah. there's just, you know, this is one of, of many paradoxes surrounding uh, the Gates Foundation that raises questions and contradictions about its charitable nature. So, you know, our Bill and Melinda Gates are really giving away all of their money. Actually, year over year, they're getting wealthier. So during the pandemic, um, Bill and Melinda Gates' personal private fortune has increased by something like $20 billion. Wow. Uh, while the foundation has given away a very, uh, you know, much smaller sum of money. They've given away something like $2 billion to, um, to, toward COVID is what the foundation has said, less than $2 billion. And if you look at their entire wealth, the $130 billion, last I checked, maybe it's more, maybe it's less, but it's somewhere around there. And the same is also true of the Gates Foundation itself. So the foundation has this $50 billion endowment, this pool of money that it draws from uh, to do its charity work. But that endowment is also making investment income uh, because it's invested in anything and everything. So the endowment is also tending to grow year over year. So this idea that Bill and Melinda Gates are giving away all of their money, they're not doing a very good job at it uh, because their, their net income, I mean, their wealth, is increasing. The foundation's endowment seems to be increasing. So you just kind of wonder, um, you know, I've long wondered what the end game is, how they're actually going to spend down their fortune, um, given that... Get divorced. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Right. And that that just changes everything. The conversation, um, you know, since when we, since we set up this interview, what was it, last week? Now it's so much has changed. It's like, it's 
brain brain breaking to try and figure out how this is going to play out. It's amazing, but I do want to I want to give your you know your background in terms of you are a uh, a freelance journalist this in this instance writing for the Nation, but you've been looking at the Gates Foundation uh, for a while now. Uh, according to the website I found on of yours, you've published seven articles at the Nation and Columbia Journalism Review and the British Medical Journal. You said your some of your stories are the only investigative journalism ever published on Gates. You examine the the dearth of regulations and oversight of the Gates Foundation and its outsized and controversial roles in the pandemic. You also report on how the Gates Foundation funds many of its would-be critics in journalism and academia. And you go further, look at Bill Gates' big plans, his book on climate change. So you've looked at a lot of different areas into Bill Gates. Yet, as you said, Tim, this week there's been so much news, and I think it, it all broke out with the news of the the, the marriage ending, because um, now we're hearing other things about Bill Gates that I didn't know. For instance, um, that he had an affair with a Microsoft employee and that an investigation into that might have been what caused him to step down, though he says that's not what that he was going to step down anyway. But now we're hearing other reports that he kind of was a had at work that um, that he tried to hit on uh, other women. It wasn't just the one affair he had twenty years ago. Um, but didn't isn't that how he met Melinda? Didn't she work for 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 him? Absolutely, and that's why this shouldn't really be a shocker revelation. I mean, right. he was dating Melinda Gates or Melinda French at the time. Mm-hmm. He was an employee at Microsoft, and he wanted to marry her. Yeah. So you know, I mean, in some ways, this shouldn't be like a huge shock. I guess. Um, I mean, I think some people, I was talking to a friend the other day, and they said, well, you know, Bill Gates, he's this frumpy older guy, he's wearing these pleated khakis, how could he possibly <laughs> be some kind of philanderer or sexual predator? Money. But, you know, if there's, there was a time 20 years ago when he was running Microsoft when he wasn't the sort of angel that, or saint that he is today, and reporters and book authors would take a very hard look at, um, at it, it, who Bill Gates was and what he was doing. Um, you don't see that. You haven't seen that as much in recent years. Um, so the only um, really serious independent investigative journalism on the Gates Foundation, besides what I've reported, uh, was a series by the L.A. Times, and that was in 2007. Wow. Um, so it took all of these years later, 2020 is when I started publishing my series, mostly with The Nation. Um, and, and that was just a year ago, but at that time, this kind of, um, certainly investigative reporting, but even critical reporting on Gates was really rare. It just was, um, it's not to say that there isn't a lot of journalism about the Gates Foundation. You know, every day there are articles coming out talking about how much money they're giving away, how they're saving the world, they're describing the Gates Foundation or explicitly, um, extolling its good deeds. Um, but until like, uh, three weeks ago, this idea of journalists um, putting a critical lens on Gates and even competing with each other to get the story, this is just such a new media environment we're in. Um, and it's really hard to see how Bill Gates survives this. It's such, um, you know, so, so the Gates Foundation has this brand that's cultivated around empowering women, uh-huh. around uh promoting equity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bill Gates is not just incompatible with that mission and that brand. He's radioactive. I just don't see how he can coexist with the foundation and its mission going forward. 
Um, so I think that's the story to watch. Right. I mean, the and, official and, line from the found, yeah. the found go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, but there's one other part that's even worse that, uh, that I'm surprised I haven't heard more, um, it, more depth on. And that is that, um, his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein might be what, what put Melinda Gates over the top and made her file for divorce. And now it's there was a story yeah. today that he thought that that Jeffrey Epstein would help him get a Nobel Prize. What the hell? Yeah, it's 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 hard to keep up with this fire hose of news, and it's so interesting that I mean some of this does seem like when this news cycle first happened, it seemed kind of like sensational tabloid um, kind of reporting. Yeah. But then pretty quickly, you know, you were having top news outlets like the Wall Street Journal, like the New York Times, which generally, I have to say, really love the Gates and the Gates Foundation. Suddenly, they're endorsing these narratives and they're doing some of the hard, concrete reporting to actually to flesh this out. So, I mean, with the story with, with Epstein, I don't know that we'll ever know um, the, the real truth of that story. But... Um, you know, what the relationship was, uh, what it wasn't. Um, but, you know, at a certain point, it, it almost feels like a sideshow because yeah. there's so many other right. stories coming out, irrespective of his relationship with Epstein, with Gates at the Gates Foundation, at Microsoft, um, stories about, um, you know, allegations that he was um, pursuing women, uh, yeah. subordinates of his. Um, that I don't know that the, the Epstein story is the key to to figuring this out, and I don't know how how important it is to, to you know the future of Bill Gates at the Gates Foundation. I feel like there's enough other information coming out, but we will see. I mean, Epstein is such an interesting and big story that seems to touch so many people, not right. just Bill Gates. Right, and he was so despicable that uh, if there was some kind of weird partnership there, that's creepy. And, and I can understand why Melinda Gates would say, that's my final straw. That's the last, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. So whether that happened or not, we don't know. But as you said, Tim Tim Schwab, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Now, the, the piece in The Nation really deals with um, the Gates Foundation, If Tan, correct me if I'm wrong here, because it is a, sort of a tangled web, um, that the Gates Foundation back in 2015 made a $40 million investment in a startup company called CureVac. And that company is now finishing up a clinical trial for its own COVID vaccine. Um, this is about how Bill Gates is complicit in trying to keep, uh, you know, the United States from opening up the patents, basically giving a waiver to the rest of the world so they can start using these vaccines and getting ahead of this pandemic. Do I have that right? Yeah, I mean, what the what this story does, I mean, for me, is it shows um, how big of a role the Gates Foundation has in the pandemic. Mm. Um, so they're obviously giving a lot of money to a lot of different groups, but they also are a key investor in a vaccine company that has the cure for the pandemic. You know, they have a, a vaccine um, going, finishing up clinical trials. Right. Um, so, so we we think of the Gates Foundation as a charitable group giving away grants, but they use uh, they have you know, a, real, a whole welter of financial instruments they use, including investments to advance their charitable purposes. So this investment that they have in CureVac is supposed to deliver charitable public goods. Um, so the question I'm kind of raising in this piece is, you know, you have this investment, this, uh, you know, they made this $40 million investment in 2015. It's worth who knows how much money right, today. Right. 
Um, so you, you have a leverage as an investor, but you also have this kind of charitable mission um, that's woven into your investment that, that it's supposed to deliver charitable goods. So how exactly are you working with this vaccine company to get this uh, immunization into the arms of the global poor? I mean, we all see the vaccine apartheid playing out in nightmarish ways around the world where the, the rich and wealthy nations are getting priority access to COVID vaccines. Um, it's right now the global poor who really need access. Yeah. Gates is extremely well positioned to sort of negotiate this problem, to help solve this problem. And what is he doing? I mean, uh, before the, the, the divorce story broke out, there was starting to pick up a news, um, a news item about um, Bill Gates opposing waivers of patents um, over COVID vaccines. Right. So, you know, many, many countries, many um, experts, many doctors have said that we need to uh, waive the patents that these uh, small number of pharmaceutical companies have over COVID vaccines, which would allow manufacturing facilities around the world to start producing um, vaccines. So it's not as simple as that. You have to waive the patents. You have to have the vaccine companies hand over the blueprints and the recipes and give them the technical know-how. But, you know, there are um, manufacturing facilities around the world that say that they have idle capacity, that they could be producing COVID vaccines, but they can't because they can't get to the vaccine technology. And Bill Gates has been a real obstacle, maybe even the primary obstacle um, in this in this political battle. So what happened um, a couple weeks ago is that um, Joe Biden came out um, in favor of waiving the patents. And that clearly and like almost officially put the Gates Foundation on the wrong side of history, because at this point, um, you know, if you have the United States um, saying that it's it's you need to do this, then the Gates Foundation, like a day later, they caved and they said, OK, well, we can think about waiving patents. Um, so it's, it's really kind of been a defining um, position that that Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation has had in the pandemic, this kind of resistance to um to, to waiving patents. And it's, it's really an indelible part of their legacy. Unfortunately, we're not having that conversation. We're, we're, we're talking about another story with Bill Gates that, you know, it's, it's another, it's an important and vital story that this, this, this story about the, the Gates divorce and Bill Gates behavior, but it's, it's a much bigger story. I think a uh, bigger conversation we should be having. Well, well, definitely, and especially because we are in the midst of this global pandemic. And while we here in the States, um, we're in good shape if, you know, people would get their heads out of their asses and get vaccinated. I don't get the, you know, the, the idiots walking around going, I'm not getting one. Um, then I hope those people stay away from me. And now there's pushback on even, you know, the the um, CDC relaxing the mask mandate because of all these idiots who will not get vaccinated. And we don't know who's who, so you, we still should wear masks. Anyway, I digress. Um, we, uh, you know, Joe Biden, I guess, listened to, uh, took all the pressure that was put on him and said, okay, I'll go along with waiving the 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 patents, which is basically what's a question of the intellectual property related to the vaccines. But that also, he doesn't have final say on that, does he? This is something that has to go through approval by the WTO. I don't even know who has to approve it. Who has to approve it? 
Right, exactly. So this is all happening under the through the World Trade Organization, right. um, and the, the patent waiver. I mean, how this all plays out, it could happen in a lot of different ways. And waiving the patents is only one part of the process. So you're you're right. It is a big process. Joe Biden making this declaration doesn't change things. No. But the political dynamics until a few weeks ago was you had. Most of the you know nations in the world, especially poor nations, calling for uh, patent waivers, and then you had a handful of European countries and the United States opposing it. And why? Because the big pharmaceutical companies are located in these countries, mm-hmm. and these um, so these governments are trying to protect the, the financial interests of the companies located in their um, their home nations. So by by Biden caving on this, it's it's a real clear signal, and it changes the political dynamics of the debate. Um, I don't have my finger on the pulse of how this is changing. I ha- it's not. Um, I don't think it's like anything that's, um, big has happened since Biden has made that announcement. But at least gets us down the road. Um, it was almost immediately after Biden announced that the Gates Foundation issued a press release, kind of uh, belatedly mealy mouth talking about we support we now support a narrow uh patent waiver and so when i'm reading that i'm saying okay this means the gates foundation yeah. is going to put its resources into weakening the political process around this make sure that <clears throat> whatever patent waiver happens it's slow rolled out it, it happens according to uh, the weakest way possible um that's that's my uh, Maybe that's cynical, but... That's um, okay. <laughs> cynical is my name with a C-Y in front of the Nicole. That's, it, it, it happens that okay. way. But, the, the, um, you know, I'm reading in the piece at The Nation, um, you write about the CureVac. That's the name of the company that Bill Gates, uh, that the Gates Foundation in, in invested in that's developing this vaccine, um, that you uncovered some SEC documents from last year. And in it, the Gates Foundation... I'm, I'm reading, appears to release CureVac from some aspects of its charitable obligations. So is it saying that they they are not held to the same standards that the Gates Foundation is in terms of helping people around the world? Um, I mean, in a way it does. I mean, uh, a problem with these SEC documents is some of the key words are redacted. Uh. And the Gates Foundation wouldn't respond CureVac wouldn't respond. So we don't know exactly what's being released. But, you know, to, to, try, and lay the, to try and explain this, when the Gates Foundation gave money to CureVac, it made this investment. Even though it wasn't a charitable grant, it was an investment. They took an equity, a partial ownership stake in the company. Mm-hmm. They did so according to a, a, a legal agreement that said that its money, its investment, had to go towards charitable purposes. So you find this SEC document that appears to be the Gates Foundation releasing CureVac from some of right. these its charitable obligations, and you wonder, you know, what is this all about? Um, and it, of course, the the SEC documents are um, all related to CureVac's relationship to the the pharmaceutical giant GlaxoSmithKline (GSK), mm-hmm. which is helping CureVac advance its um, its COVID vaccine to the commercial marketplace. Um, so, you know, I showed this to several experts. They said, okay, it, this is what's happening. Even though it's redacted, it has the timing of it, uh, the language of it. It has to be the Gates Foundation uh, releasing CureVac from its obligations to, um, you know, put its COVID vaccine into the arms of the global poor. 
um, in, in order to, to sort of gr- uh, grease the wheels for its, uh, its relationship with GSK. Now, GSK said that that's not what it was, that, uh, um, that they said that redactions, we can't tell you what it's about, but it's not about COVID. So, you know, we can't verify that. Um, but, but what it does show is that um, it, it helps illustrate, I think, is that, you know, even if that is the case, if the Gates Foundation you know, maybe the Gates Foundation still does have some ability um, through its equity stake in CureVac to then uh, compel it to direct its vaccines to the global poor. Um, you know, it's an open question. What is the Gates Foundation doing on that front? What, what we know is that CureVac, which is a German company, they've already negotiated a deal to, up, to deliver up to 400 million doses of their vaccine to Europe. Right. You know, yep. so they're not, you know, why aren't they signing these deals to do that to sub-Saharan Africa or any other country or India, you know, right. any other country? Why are they directing their vaccines to the, the most lucrative markets? Because that's where the money is. Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of an open question, I guess. Um, but for me, what all this highlights is, is, you know, the many roles Gates is playing in the pandemic response. And also, you know, this is I, I, I try everything in my power. I'm a journalist. I reach out to the Gates Foundation. Can we talk about this? What, what are you doing with this? And you don't get a response. Oh. And the lack of transparency, I, you know, I don't know how else we can, we can look at this. Um, you know, you, you give them a chance to respond and they don't respond. So I don't know what we're supposed to think. Exactly. And, and I'm wondering, uh, Tim Schwab, is this the vaccine that has the Bill Gates microchips embedded in it? Oh, sorry. You're joking, right? I am joking. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you get that, that question okay. in interviews, though. But, 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 you know, this is when there's secrecy surrounding it, this kind of shit um, festers. Uh, no, we don't, we don't put that out. It was a joke. It was meant to elicit a laugh. But <laughs> instead, I, I think I heard horror yeah, yeah. coming from you. It's like, oh, shit, she's not one of those, is she? Um, it, but it, the, yeah, there, I was like, did I do my research here? <laughs> Sorry about that. No, but there, there is a lot. Okay. I mean, there, there's a new um, story at Vox. And again, the last uh, couple of uh, week, even, um, so much has come out that, that everything is being thrown at the wall. Vox has a story about the scandals um, that, are, that, that have him mired. Um, they, they talk about the divorce, and they talk about Jeffrey Epstein, and they talk about... Um, you know, other stuff that may, that maybe is overshadowing the important things we need to know about because the, the salacious stuff seems to be what people gravitate towards and the nonsense like, you know, we've been implanted with Bill Gates microchips with the vaccines. Um, how hard is it to get uh, the, the, the attention paid to the serious stuff that you're looking at, uh, especially with someone like Bill Gates who has tentacles everywhere? I'm sure he's got a lot of people pushing back on legitimate research of what the foundation is doing. Yeah, it, it's very hard. I, I do want to say though that I do think that the, all the reporting coming out about the divorce, about Bill Gates' behavior, uh, about um, Jeffrey Epstein, I do think that is really important and vital story. It speaks um, to the character of Bill Gates and it opens a conversation to have um, to put a critical lens more broadly in the Gates Foundation. Uh And you're also I mean, depending on uh, where the facts come out, but you could be talking about people who are really hurt um, by by Bill Gates behavior. Um, So there are there could be some very, um, you know, real victims here to to think about and to consider. So I don't want to take away from that story, but I do want to say that this is an opportunity, a rare 
uh, opportunity to really ask some big picture questions about the Gates Foundation that we haven't been able to ask for a long time. And what the new story is doing now, it's narrowly, te- narrowly telling the story in a way that doesn't give us the context to, to open, our, uh, open the perspective and widen the lens to ask some of these questions. Um, so, you know, and all, the, all these news outlets that are rushing to tell this story about the Gates Foundation, for years, they have been building up Bill Gates yes. as this savior character. Um, you know, I have tried to write, uh, you know, the story, the story, the reporting I do, it puts a critical lens in the Gates Foundation until recently. That was hard, if not impossible to do. I've pitched to so many outlets trying to get editors interested in this and they can see the work, the re- the research and the reporting, and there'll always be an initial interest, but you know, you, these editors will just never pull the trigger because it's just, um, just like the news media hasn't been there until right. recently. That right. just hasn't been, um, it's been really hard to like raise these questions or to have an, uh, kind of an open conversation. And that really drives to, um, you know, a key problem with the Gates Foundation is the lack of accountability. There are no checks and balances in place. Journalism kind of writ large certainly has not been doing its job over the years. And that has meant that, you know, if you have a powerful institution and nobody's really paying attention, it means they can do, they have carte blanche to act in any way that they want. Right, um, right. And, I, I, you know, some of the things I've, I feel like if, if you really look at the Gates Foundation, what it's doing, it's hard to really see it under the rubric of charity because it's involved. It's, it's really, I think you have to see it as a political organization because of the way it, it operates. It's trying to change the way we feed, medicate, educate, you know, the global poor, uh, or not just the global poor, it's trying to change how we educate, Everybody. you know, children in the United States also. Um, so it's, it's so easy and tempting to view it as a philanthropy or charity, but I think it really is much better understood as a political organization. And that's and, kind of what I've come up with. Okay, yeah. Well, that's interesting because when I think of politics, I'm thinking, you know, what party are they aligned with? I would say because Bill Gates is obscenely wealthy, he's probably a Republican because he doesn't want to pay taxes. But I could be wrong. I have no idea. Do you know what party he is? Um, I don't. I don't know officially what party he is, but he. I'd say his politics align much more with the Democratic mm-hmm. Party. And you've seen. I think you even see this right now. Uh, a clear revolving door between the Gates Foundation and Democratic administrations, the Obama administration, oh, okay. the Biden administration. Uh, I mean, I think Republicans still like Bill Gates because what he's doing is he's unburdening the federal government of its obligations. You have a private billionaire who's going to take care of some aspects of U.S. education, some aspects of foreign aid. You know, he's a great ambassador and his his politics, well, maybe they align with the Democratic Party. I mean, um, I don't know. The right. Democratic Party is not always that different than the right. Republican Party. So. Well, well, let me ask you the one last question because we're getting close to the end of the hour. But that is, it, sure. it, I, I, I'm, it, do, do you believe he's breaking any laws or is he just, you know, pretending or, or claiming um, uh, magna, magnanimity? I, I'm losing the word. That being a philanthropist, being I can't a, a great benefactor, or is he, you know, just trying to... to to make a big profit off of, you know, the fact that we're in this global pandemic. I don't think he's trying to make a profit from um, the fact that we're in the pandemic. That doesn't mean that he isn't making money. Or profitizing off our health care. Profitizing off um, the health care system. 
Yeah, it's just it's hard to separate Bill Gates' financial interest from um, his political interest, from the work that the foundation does. Um, you know, in terms of I, I don't know, I don't know if the question is to point to a specific law that he's breaking, but to to say you know to again to highlight this point that the really important with an organization this powerful that has this much political power in particular, there's a really critical need for oversight for checks and balances. There's a role for journalists to play, yep. but there's also a critical role for the IRS to play, mm-hmm. for Congress to play. The Gates Foundation is located in the state of Washington. The Washington State Attorney General they have um, clear purchase on um, you know provided oversight of the foundation. But I can tell you from the reporting I've done over the last year and a half, I don't think any of these institutions, whether it's journalism or Congress or the IRS, the Washington State AG, I don't think that they're really um, scrutinizing the Gates Foundation. And that's allowed it to become uh-huh. one of the most powerful, least scrutinized actors in global politics. Wow. Um, it gives old, uh, it gives new power to the adage money walks, right? Money does. We, we need to, yeah. we need to rein it in. Tim Schwab, thank you so much. It's a great piece that people should read. It's over at the nation. I will link to it from the blog today at NicoleSandler.com, uh, where I post the show and all that. Um, thank you for doing the work. Uh, you know, we, one could argue that we barely have a system of checks and balances in government anymore. Why should we think it would uh, exist in private enterprise? But we need that in every uh, aspect of life to, to hold people and organizations accountable for what they're doing. No one should have free reign to take advantage or to profiteer or to, uh, you know, to have their way over how things run it's it's supposed to be a democracy here so anyway um any final words that you want to say and 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 restate what i said poorly um no i think (laughs) that um it's it's really an honor for me to be uh to have an audience like this to have people who are interested in these ideas i really appreciate you having me on and i hope that your your readers go to the nation and check out my work um, I think I've published four articles in the nation on Bill Gates over the last year and a half. Again, some of the only investigative reporting on the foundation. So do please take a look. You got it. Tim Schwab, thank you so much. It was nice to meet you. Thank you, Nicole. Thank, thank you. you for take me. care. Bye-bye. All right. And uh, with that, we're done. That's it for a Tuesday. I think Laffy is going to be with us next week. We're going to try it. We tested out her equipment over the weekend and... She's still in pain, but we're getting there. She's, she'll, she'll be coming back. Tomorrow, we're going to speak with the author of a book called The United States of War. Kind of timely, don't you think? <sighs> All right. Have a good night, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. And uh, watch out for those evil people. And yes, it was Ruthless People. That was the movie I was looking for. Danny DeVito and I think Bette Midler. Ruthless People. I like John Lennon's words better. All right. See you tomorrow, everyone. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Monday, May 17th is the new April 15th. Whoops, whoops, whoops. Sorry, that's yesterday's. That's yesterday's. Nope, I did that yesterday. Hold on. Uh, We're in overtime. I forgot to load in today's What's News. Give me one second and I will give it to you, baby. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I don't know where that came from. Uh, Here is today's 
What's News. God, I hate it when I do stuff like this. Here we go. I read the news today, oh boy. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. In a phone call with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Monday, President Biden expressed support for a ceasefire in the escalating violence between Israel and Hamas militants in Gaza. And he floated the possibility of international diplomatic involvement. Netanyahu, meanwhile, has vowed to continue strikes against Hamas targets. Israel has been conducting airstrikes against Hamas targets in Gaza for eight days in response to rocket fire by Palestinian militants. The militants have been fighting Israeli efforts to evict Palestinians from their homes for decades in order to make room for new far-right Israeli settlements. That's what prompted this round of fighting. More than 200 people have already been killed in the conflict, most of them Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. This fighting has been the most intense since the 2014 war between Israel and Hamas. The U.S. has been in touch with foreign ministers of Saudi Arabia, France, Qatar, Egypt and Pakistan. But demands from Israel and Hamas have so far precluded any solutions. Meanwhile, the rocket attacks and airstrikes continue. The president of the National Nurses United Union is criticizing the CDC guidelines that vaccinated people can do away with masks, saying it's confusing and could endanger healthcare workers. One problem is that this new guidance relies on an honor system in which unvaccinated people still are supposed to wear masks. And frankly, those who refuse to get vaccinated have no honor. President Biden says there will be enough COVID-19 vaccine supply for every American adult by the end of May. And his administration is pledging millions more vaccine doses to other countries on top of the 60 million already committed. But there's always the worry that there will be yet another surge. We're now learning about another coronavirus variant first detected in India that has now gone global. The B1617 is a, quote, variant of concern, which means it could be more transmissible, cause more severe disease, or evade tests and treatments. Experts believe this variant is driving the recent wave of infection in India. Well, we told you yesterday, but we need to reiterate today. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a key abortion case next term that could pose a major challenge to Roe v. Wade. The case concerns a controversial Mississippi law that banned most abortions after 15 weeks. A federal judge struck down the law in 2018. But now that the court has a 6-3 conservative majority, it could set a new precedent that emboldens other states to enact similar laws. Several already have. South Carolina, Oklahoma, and Idaho passed heartbeat bills this year. In Arkansas and Oklahoma, they enacted near-total abortion bans, and Montana banned the procedure at 20 weeks. Now, none of these bills is in effect yet, with some held up in court. For the record... Polling indicates that a majority of Americans want Roe to stay in place. Fifteen unions that represent law enforcement officers across the country have endorsed a policing plan that includes an unprecedented change in the way unions protect bad police officers. Under the plan, officers and those in supporting professions would be encouraged to act as active bystanders and intervene when another union member is doing something wrong. 
Well, that would be a good first step. Meanwhile, in North Carolina, the findings of a state investigation into the police shooting of Andrew Brown Jr. is expected to be released. Brown's family recently got to see more of the footage which had been hidden from them. And there's a dispute as to what the video actually shows. A little further south in Florida, former Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg, an associate of Congressman Matt Gates, has pleaded guilty to six federal charges, including sex trafficking of a minor. It's all part of a plea deal with prosecutors. Now, Gates was not mentioned in the agreement, but the pledge of cooperation by Greenberg could spell trouble for Gates. Federal prosecutors are investigating whether the two men paid underage girls and prostitutes for sex. Gates has denied he ever paid for it or had sex with a minor. Greenberg admitted under his plea deal that he did pay at least one underage girl to have sex with him and other men. Greenberg pleaded guilty to just six of the 33 charges he'd been facing, but still is looking at a mandatory minimum prison sentence of 12 years. Well, one more step on our way back to some semblance of normalcy. The White House on Monday released the 2020 federal tax returns of President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden, showing that their income dropped as Biden campaigned for the presidency. They reported earning $607,336 last year and paying $157,414 in federal income taxes. That makes their tax rate 25.9%. By comparison, the average rate for all Americans is 14.6%. The White House also released the returns of Vice President Kamala Harris and her husband, Doug Emhoff. And yes, this restored a tradition broken by the former guy who said he couldn't release his returns because they were being audited. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the Biden administration expected to continue releasing his returns, quote, as should be expected by every president of the United States. On a related note, Donald Trump, you know, the man who proudly claims to be a billionaire but has carefully avoided every opportunity to prove it, has reportedly taken tens of thousands of dollars in federal pension payments since leaving office in January. The Daily Beast reporting that Trump has taken $65,600 in pension payments since he was evicted from the White House. During his one term in office, Trump made a big deal about donating his salary to federal agencies. But it appears now that he's not in office anymore. He has no problem taking taxpayers' money. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is 100% listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that Donate button. Hear you. That can be a friend, a partner, children, family. If you have a job you enjoy, a roof over your head and enough money to pay those bills and, you know, put, you know, food on your your table so you can sleep better at night. Um, Not only are you truly blessed, uh, but pretty, you know, pretty good, you know, I would say. And quite frankly, if I have those things, I can live anywhere because I have. (laughs) I've lived places I never thought I would live. And honestly, I've I've enjoyed every single place that I've lived I've made friends and worked with some great people every place that I've lived. And uh, I'm living in Los Angeles and I love it here. And I won't be here forever because one thing I know about life is when you tell God your plans, 
if you want to make them laugh, just do that, right? Tell them your plans. Um, and, uh, but I also lived in Washington, DC. I forgot uh, to mention that. Um, but, but I mean, you know, bottom line, I, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. I mean, you know, my husband and I expect to stay here at least till our kids graduate college, but you know, we're not necessarily going to retire here. We don't know what happens. Where do my kids end up? Where do they get married? Where do they have kids? You know, well, you know, what happens? You just don't know. You don't know the future, right? I certainly don't. Anyway, so that was a sidebar. So I know you all like to give your opinion of California. And that that's lovely. But you know, talk amongst yourselves, because those of us that live here are happy. And we don't need you to move here or visit. Anyway, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican from California, will oppose a bipartisan deal that was announced last week that would form a 9-11 style commission to investigate the January 6th Capitol riot. That's what his office announced today. I do want to remind people of one word, Benghazi, and there were 17, 17, I repeat, 17, that's 10 plus 7, 17 independent bipartisan investigations, by the way, that found nothing that Republicans wanted to pin on Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, or the Democrats. Uh, But there were 17 for Benghazi, and we're asking for one for January 6th? Anyway, this is why it matters. McCarthy's opposition to the deal, which was negotiated by the top Republican and Democrat on the House Homeland Security Committee, 